Civ 6 video game all out on the Switch. That sounds like music to my ears, Steve. It really does. Okay. All right. I see where you're going with this. All right. I'll do I'll do it this one time, Mike. I'll pick up the baton that you that you tripped and dropped during the relay. So brave of you, Steve. You fell, you 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 like you gave the crowd a thumbs up, not realizing the hurdle was in front of you, and you tripped and the baton went flying into the air. And I just so happened to catch it. All right, it. Steve, pick up and, the baton. The race is still happening. <laughs> and so, oh my God! On this week's episode of the Song Tops Report, where we dissect bad, bizarre, and otherwise noteworthy music to figure out how it died, I'm your today's uh, host, uh, Steve Trollinger. I am Nick Brigadier, <coughs> and I'm <laughs> hacking up a lawn, Mike Russell. And and Mike just swallowed a bug from the relay race that we were running to continue this metaphor. Um, and if you haven't, if you didn't pick up the subtle weavings of myself and Mr. Mike Russell. Uh, today, we're going to be discussing a time-honored, uh, time-wasting tradition, and that is the video game. Yes, it seemed like a good distraction, especially from what is happening currently uh, in the world and in the country, and if at the very least we can do is provide you with some stupid entertainment to maybe just temporarily distract you from it. Uh, hopefully we can at least do that. Yeah, man, like, there's what's no your, doubt. What's your thoughts into words, Mike? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm putting them, I'm putting them out there. You know what? It's fucked up. It's fucked up what's going on. It ain't right. And... But, Mike, very quickly, please align yourself <laughs> with what you think is fucked up. Oh, yeah. Hey, people gotta stop killing unarmed black people, man. It's fucking... That shouldn't have fucked. to be, like, a stance that you have in the world now but apparently it is no nah, man it's it's fucked up it's 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 terrible it's giving everyone a bad time it's it's giving it's black people can't sleep at night because they're worried they're dying i can't sleep at night because i'm worried everyone hates me it's fucking sucks man we like we gotta come together and and it's time to just strip these people out who shouldn't be in there man there's good cops out there I've, i know some this shit ah well some of them are actually Finally, starting to to break the uh, what was it the blue wall of silence and actually wall. finally there was, speak out. There against- was like there was like a double line survey in, in North Carolina a, a year or two ago where they you know like anonymously asked like all of, all of the cops of this one this one area, are you afraid of are you when you are out do you feel more fear of a black man than say a white man? And because it was like a blind study and everyone was anonymous. Oh yeah, they all said that that is exactly how they felt while they were out there. They all to T said, "Yes, I am more afraid of a black person than a, 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 another person." It's it's a, it's the sad it's the sad reality of the primal brain, man. It's like you because these people don't hang out with black people. You know what I mean? So it's like just they, they just see see someone that doesn't look like what. The kind of people they typically with, and if fucking it's not good. But we we would also like to point out here on on the show that we we realize we are not exactly the the prophets of a of a new age here. We don't we know that we are not necessarily a part of the solution. We are we we are we are part of the problem, and we are working on that. What what the. Go ahead, Nick. No, I was just going to say, I, I would say, yes, Steve, I think part of the, part of the problem is acknowledging that you are part of the problem. Um, and obviously, we are not the most eloquent speakers, and our podcast about bad, bizarre, and otherwise noteworthy music isn't necessarily the best medium to be discussing uh, racial tension in America and the death of George Floyd. Um, but I feel like we have even the smallest platform to try to maybe encourage people to think about their privilege uh, and to, if you... if. If you can't protest, if if for, well, first off, if you're not outraged, you're not paying attention. But if you can't protest, at least donate. Try to educate yourself on ways that you can help. Um, and once again, in the meantime, we will hopefully serve as a distraction from the deluge of news because that's all we literally before this podcast we've just been inundated in the news that's been happening. Um, and it's sometimes difficult to transition into a comedic podcast after that. But if entertainment is something we can provide in these times, that's what we will try to do. You're goddamn right. You know, an escape from reality, much like these video games do, 
Uh, wait, Nick. Oh shit. Do we? Yes. Did, did, do we say where people could throw some cash money? Like, We're gonna. Um, I've I've been doing some research on my own. I figure we can put some links in the show notes, just of of places where you can go to either bail out protesters or donate to George Floyd's family directly. They have a GoFundMe. Just and also, please just do your own. For listeners, please you know do research on your own. Figure out what you can do to help. Figure out what resources you can read to get more educated on what's happening. There, there's there's a book um, that I I'm going to order that I. It's been on my list for a while that I've heard um, called So You Want to Talk About Race? Yes, um, yes. The, the, book, the book's author, I'm not going to try to pronounce their name because I am going to butcher it, um, but, uh, but that, that is the title, So You Want to Talk About Race. It is, if you are a white person who thinks that they are not racist, um, you may not be overtly racist in the sense that you are not like a KKK member, but you, you, are, you, you have a virus of sorts in you and you may not know it until it's active. Um, it's a very topical but, metaphor, especially for now. Yeah, especially, but, uh, that this book I have, I have heard from uh, a lot of my friends, uh, and, uh, that it allows, it's basically like a blueprint to help white people sort of figure out how to talk about race in a constructive way, as opposed to feeling like they can't because they're white. And if that, and if that isn't your cup of tea, folks, you just got to break it down to basics. Put yourself in this man's position. $20 counterfeit bill and you got a knee on your neck for nine goddamn minutes while you're telling someone you can't fucking breathe and they don't fucking take the knee off because he's got a fucking power complex against you and everyone who's like you? I mean, it's fucked. It's, nobody should have that kind of power. A license to goddamn kill people that they don't like because they fucking feel like it. It is fucked. And we we just, I, I don't know, we felt like we couldn't begin an episode without at least somewhat acknowledging it. So please, like I said, we'll provide some resources below uh, for you guys to um, help in any way if you can. Uh, and otherwise, yes, much like, video, as Mike was saying, video games serve as a distraction for us, all of us, when we are confronted with things we don't want to put up with. Hopefully our podcast can just be even a temporary distraction from that. So... With all of that, with that heavy-handedness out of the way, uh, Steve has been the primary researcher for this week's episode, which is all about, can I say it's one of your passions? Would you consider video games a passion? And I am the king of heavy-handedness, so that is not going to stop now. (laughs) Uh, The subject subject material will just get dumber is all. (laughs) Yeah, so um, I think we all of us uh, who have been forced to basically not leave our house for two and a half to three months have in some way, shape, or form given video games an old the old college try again. Um, some of us didn't used to have a problem uh, with uh, not playing them. That was never my problem. I always find time to play at least something. And uh, so, yeah, I, I find myself somewhat of a some have somewhat of a knowledge base on this. And there are other folks who have taken this opportunity to relax a bit and explore this realm of. Uh, escapism that maybe they felt like they didn't have time to do before because they were doing stuff about their career and their family. <laughs> now they're trying to get away from their family and they don't have a career. <laughs> <laughs> Video games are all that's left. So today today I brought in, um, and this is a music podcast, so yes, this isn't, as Nick likes to point out, another attempt by me to talk about something other than just straight music because... Obviously, I have more of an interest in everything else but what we talk about on a weekly basis. <laughs> um, but I have movies, uh, movies, love, TV shows, history, love, politics. history. But uh, music touches on all of these, as we've discovered. And uh, people don't necessarily equate music with video games. They they are more apt to equate film and music as a part of film than say. Uh, music and a part of video games and and some people might then go further and say i equate like a orchestral or score music with video games because some of them like the final fantasy games have really like great epic scores attached to them yes um and uh but a few people think about actual songs lyrical uh written out songs that appear in video games and to be honest that's because there aren't a heck of a lot of them but as video games become more cinematic and explore more genre-specific territories than they used to, other than, like, shoot-em-ups and running guns and things like that. Uh, We found some uh, fun examples, or I found some fun examples, of people who actually made songs part of their video game experience, and I've brought three of them in today. So without further ado, because we've adooed quite a bit, um, let's get into the first one. The first one is from a uh, game called Portal, 
and we'll play a little bit of it now, and it is called Still Alive. This was a triumph. I'm making a note here, huge success. It's hard to overstate my satisfaction. Oh my god, I love this. Aperture <laughs> science. We do what we must because we can. For the good of all of us, except the ones who are dead. <laughs> <laughs> I remember this song. This was very popular. Uh, this was a very downloaded song on iTunes amongst my friend group way back in the day. Yeah, so this is um, this is from a game called Portal that was packaged as part of uh, the Orange... Uh, what are the Orange The Orange Box, box yeah. Uh, which was an attempt by the video game company Valve to come out with a sort of... Like, they had just... I can't remember if they had just come out with Half-Life 2 or not... And that was like two, they, a couple years before, yeah. Yeah, they came out with Half-Life 2, and everyone was like, when's Half-Life 3 coming out? And Valve's like, soon, soon, we're working on it. And in an attempt to assuage their rabid fan base, they uh, came out with half of a game, which was sort of like a standalone DLC. Uh, and to make it worth the price point, they uh, bundled it with another game called Portal, which ended up being, I, in my estimation, much more beloved and popular than the thing that they were trying to release. <laughs> Yeah, it was so popular they made a Portal 2, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it is it is a puzzle platforming game um in which you portray the uh, a woman by the name of Chell who wakes up in this uh in this uh, science lab uh and you are confronted uh with no other living being except for a artificial intelligence by the name of GLaDOS who seems to be running the whole building. And as you play the game, you discover that you are the only one alive because you are we're a sub, uh, science experiment subject in cryostasis, and GLaDOS is running this. Uh, by the way, spoiler alert for all of these games. They've all been out for years to this point. If I say something that you haven't, you haven't played it, I'm sorry. I'm going to try to keep them spoiler light. But you are discovering that you are a basically a rat in a maze, and you are given this gun that creates portals, and you have to puzzle your way out by just coming up with different ways to use these portals to escape. Oh, don't tell me the end, Steve. I gotta see what happens when I escape. Okay, well, I kind of am, because that's what happens. This song comes at the end of the game. This, this is the end, end credits ah, scene. That's a, okay, all right. I'll play Portal theme. 2 then, fuck it. Um, <laughs> uh, so it is written by Jonathan Colton, who is a sort of like a, like a, like a nerd musician. Like, he got his start coming up with a bunch of fun, like, science fiction-heavy, fantasy-heavy uh, songs um, that uh, uh, I've, he's had several albums. I've, I've got a couple of them. That he's very good. You should check him out. Um, and uh, he wrote this. He was approached by the producers of the game. Uh, they wanted, they had heard of his work and they thought he'd be a good fit. So he wrote this song based on the plot points that they had given him. And it was uh, sung by Ellen McLean, who was a, a singer, songwriter, vocalist herself. Um, oh, dude, she's who, who great. Also, I'm crushing already, man. Yeah, and she's a voiceover artist, and she portrays the character of GLaDOS, the uh, artificial intelligence that runs the whole thing. Mike, you um, sound a little AI curious. <laughs> yes, bravo, okay, Nicholas. Nick. Bravo. Okay. <laughs> I will go back to sitting back. You know, I, I, am, I am typically against the artificial intelligence, but you know what, Nick? When you put it like that, I guess... Yeah, Mike rails against putting too much power in the hands of people, but he's perfectly fine with putting it in the hands of a vaguely feminine-shaped robot. As long as she's nice, you know. Real robots like... have curves, Steve. Yeah, she's she's well, she's she has cake. She has cake yes. for us. Oh, oh my God! I almost forgot how much the phrase "the cake is a lie" has been kind of like a. I was going to say memeable, but that's not yeah, quite this, the right term. Th well, no, this game sp this game spawned more than a few memes. This is a very meme spawn heavy game. Like the the first uh, verse here, this was a triumph. I'm making a note here, huge success. That st that lyric, I'm making a note here, huge success, was turned into a meme to ironically describe things that were not huge successes. So like something horrible would happen, uh, or like you know like a uh, uh, like SpaceX would be like testing a. Rocket, oh, it blows purely up. Purely hypothetically, so, let's say. Yeah, yes. and then someone meme slams a meme on it saying, like, I'm making a note here. Huge success. You know, I have seen this, and I never, like, I thought it was funny because I'm like, well, that's obvious. This is some juxtaposition. But now knowing where it comes from is 
It's just giving me the, the, the layer I've been missing, Steve. So I'm yeah. so thankful you could bring this to my brain. So at the end of the game, again, I'm sorry. This is at the end of the game, Mike. It's so fine. I'm spoil. It's fine. I've accepted my fate, Steve. At the end of the game, you have escaped. Yeah, and you should know this because there's a portal too, and everyone knows that. But you have escaped uh, after destroying GLaDOS, or so you think. And then so you've played this game for a couple of hours. You've puzzled your way through. You've defeated the rogue artificial intellect and you've escaped into the post-apocalyptic wasteland, and you've done all this, and you feel like you've you've beat the game, and then all of a sudden this starts, and you're like, oh, uh, okay, I guess the villain is still alive, which is obviously the point of the song. <laughs> but it's so catchy and upbeat. Uh, let's hear a little bit more of it. But there's no sense crying over every mistake. You just keep on trying till you run out of and the science gets done and you make a neat plan for the people who are still alive. Wait, wait, so, Steve, tell me, so what's with the cake? What's going on with this cake? So the cake, as Nick pointed out, is a lie. Um, the cake is a, so the, the joke, and it's a funny game. It's a, the game is a, supposed to be comedic in nature. And the joke is that GLaDOS... Is has very limited understanding of what drives human beings. Um, so her the thing the only thing that she can grasp is humans like cake. So cake will be the source of will be like the the carrot that that drives people through this maze to test this portal gun. But the cake you never the cake is never you never actually get the cake. Like she keeps saying the next the cake is in the next room and then you go in the next room and it's actually full of like uh, fire jets. Um, oh. Uh, oh, sorry, wrong room. Sorry, wrong room. The cake is in the next one, and you never so, actually get the cake. You never get the cake. That's why the cake. Okay, okay. Or you'll get into a room, and there's a cake in the room, but the cake is like made of like brick and oh. has like chocolate frosting all over it. <laughs> um, but the joke is that she has a very limited understanding of what drives people to do anything. So cake is her be all end all. Like she doesn't understand the concept of free freedom or free will but cake cake she can grasp the uh voiceover artist ellen mclean who voices glados in this is a uh she actually had difficulties trying to perform this because she was trying the obviously post-production they put in vocal effects to make her sound more robotic but while she's singing it she's trying to sing it as a as her character like in the character voice so she's purposely being very monotone, and she's actually not taking breaths in between the lyrics. She's like, as she's singing the chorus, she's doing it all in a single breath because a machine, if a machine is singing, doesn't need to take a breath because mm-hmm. it doesn't breathe. It's and true. It, proved, it like she was very, very difficult for her to get the lyrics uh, done like that. Steve, is she a voiceover inspiration for you? Yes. Because I feel like this is you're you're diving into this with I feel like just enough of the depth and passion of somebody who also does this kind of work. Yeah, I would love to like this is a great character to play. I would have loved a chance to, uh, to like to be presented with like, oh, now you're going to sing a song at the end as your murder bot. And I was like, uh, yes, please let me do that. I'm not even. So much truth to to a thing, ain't it? I mean, God, yeah. You, you ever have someone just break your heart and kill you emotionally, and you're like, God, I'm not even mad, not even mad. Okay. Thanks for the Mike. You're empathizing with a murder robot, the, Mike. Yes, I, I I believe people can feel that. I don't know if they feel this next part though, Nick. <laughs> so yeah, um, metaphorically, sure, Mike. Literally, I don't think most people have the sense of being literally torn into pieces and then the pieces are thrown into a fire, but then you can still feel through those pieces because they're still part of you because you're technically a robot. You know, you you wait till the 2040 uh, cyborg days, Steve, because I'm pumped. Oh, you know? Mike, I've got 2040 <laughs> marked on my calendar, just cyborg days written on every single date. It's coming, baby. 
Much like the data that would power me, the days on the calendar would also be numbered. And as you can kind of see here during the end credits, they're, they're, um, she's using like MS-DOS to showcase her emotional state. Yes. Um, with like check marks and broken heart like emojis made of ones and zeros and stuff. Uh, another little fun little like I love this type of creativity like that you can sort of meld this very high functioning um, like technical expertise with a creative sense. So you're like there are people who are familiar with computers and there are people who are familiar with jokes and sometimes they blend together and it's very nice. Yeah, you know, this makes me think of something. Would you guys upload your consciousness to the computer? So you know, there's that whole that whole uh, theory, that whole idea. Virtual immortality, yes, yes. Virtual I do. immortality. Are you down with it or not so down with it? What would you do? Yes, I would totally do that. Uh, especially if everyone else is doing it. If you were to just, well, cool people are doing it. You know, cool people are uploading their intellects to virtual reality. Hell, you see what people are doing with switches. Like, if you don't own a switch and are not playing Animal Crossing, you're basically it's basically like being dead. I am dead because I <laughs> you're don't dead, have, Nick. What's it like? I don't, I don't own Animal Crossing. So imagine if everyone's consciousness is uploaded. That's you know what Animal Crossing, from my understanding of it, is basically the equivalent of that. People are living in their own virtual world. They can explore each other's islands. That's going to be like that Black Mirror episode or that new comedy that's on right now. Except I'm going to be dead. I'm going to be in the wrong afterlife. Yeah, it's first gen. It's a first gen. It's a it's a <laughs> it's a initial pass at that. Sure. Like oh, so Nick, you get upset when Mike and I talk about turnip prices and you don't understand what's going on. Imagine if you dedicated that much effort to actually understanding the stock market and made real money in real life. Ha! Huh, the joke with that is I don't have the money to put into the actual stock market to begin with. I just have turnips. Uh, I just have turnips. Uh, but Steve, is there anything else uh, lyric wise in this song? Uh, we can we can listen for a little bit more. It's so nice. <laughs> That's also why it's so funny. It's this upbeat song with an acoustic guitar sung by a murderous artificial intelligence. That doesn't even seem to understand how psychotic it's being. Well, no, it 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 becomes slightly more human as like when you get to the next game, Portal Two. It becomes slightly more aware of its own sort of humanity because you actually. Well, again, I don't want to spoil. Now I'm going to spoil Portal Two. And I <laughs> don't don't, do that. don't you dare tell me the end of Portal Two. It's not the end, but it's the twist of Portal Two. So I won't the, get into the it. The Play twist? Portal One and Two. Play Portal One and Two, and you'll find out what I'm talking about. Um. But yeah, uh, but it's a banger. I'm gonna say yeah. it, Steve. I know you love it when I say this. It is a straight up it. banger. I love it. It certainly slaps, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, Nick has Nick has all of the uh, music commentary terminology of uh, like upper Midwest mother. <laughs> certainly slaps, eh? I don't know. I feel like this was the first song for a video game that had lyrics that kind of almost became successful, like as a single. Like this song was in, was very very popular back in the day. Yeah, I believe I believe so, especially cuz my my point that I'm trying to use here is these aren't just songs that happen to be in games because there are many games that use uh originally written songs for um what is the word? Not exigent. It, it, there's a it's a word meaning um songs that are created to be used within the universe of the piece. So like a oh. song that is Exigent, I want to say, is the word. Yes. But it's, yeah, it's a song that is used, uh, like you write a song and it shows up in in the movie and the characters comment on it as though it was part of the universe, as opposed to just a song you license and play. Um, and I'm probably not using the word right. All the actual people who know actual things about m- movies and video games and music will, will fact check me, I'm sure. Um, but as so all these songs, including this one, are part of the part of the game they're not just there just because uh and actually if we'll move to the next song um is a perfect example of a song written to be in universe Took a walk 
out in the fence Had to talk with a man about some cans He asked me what's your flavor I said I need a favor I'm a little short of caps But I'm a good, good neighbor so is state is State Farm there then? Yeah. So first things first. Oh, wow. the, the word I was trying to use is diegetic. Ah. So I don't want to sound like an idiot. That's so what it's diegetic sp- music. While we were all listening to that, uh, listeners, that's what Steve was doing. He was figuring yeah. out what word he meant to say. Yeah. Well, I I know what I'm talking about, so I want to sound like I know what I'm talking <laughs> about. Uh, but I have not played Fallout Four, so this song is entirely new to me. Oh, Nick. Oh. God, Nick, I wish I could just watch you play it for the first time. What what a what a great freaking game. Like yeah. so the Fallout, I'll just throw throw this stuff out front for people who are like Nick who are unaware, Mike. Fallout is a long-running series of post-apocalyptic action RPG games. They are essentially all take place within a universe that um occurs after a massive nuclear catastrophe. Um basically the um the fifties were a sort of like retro future type like where people were like rocket you know look up retro futurism you'll know the kind of aesthetic i'm aesthetic i'm talking about little pump uh, what are you doing here which, wow, little pump which uh uh and it's sort of like an alternate universe take like we we reached these sort of like technological heights very early in the 50s and then completely lost the plot everyone launched nukes on each other so the whole world is irradiated and then you play a character typically that is sequestered in a vault an underground sort of micro-civilization that was designed uh, by a megacorporation to house the remnants of humanity so that when, like, 300, 400 years later, when the fallout gets to a certain level, the vaults open and people go out and experience um, the world. And that's usually where you start from in the game. Dude. Oh, my God, Nick. Like, it's so... Like, just between the 50s... Music, because like you get to listen to a radio on your, you got this little Pip Boy, which is your, uh, it's like your cell phone it's that's your on Apple your wrist watch. that has it's special powers. <laughs> what was that? It's your Apple Watch. It's your Apple Watch. This yeah. episode sponsored by Apple. And, and it's uh, check us out on oh, Spotify. But like, because like the getups and the and the outfits that everyone's wearing and the music and and then and then you're blowing people's heads off and super mutants heads off and like fighting zombies. Or like, well, they're not zombies. They're like, um, oh my god, I can't think of what they're. I've seen gameplay. I, I know friends. Ghouls, thank it. you, ghouls. Yeah. But the ghouls can also be nice people. You know what I mean? It's oh, it's it's oh. It's, it's an RPG game, so it is uh, like it's decision based gameplay. So like, you are presented with people who have their own agendas, and you create you do conversations with them where you can choose to act like an asshole or like pretend like you don't know what you're talking about and. These decisions will change the effect of the game, so you can play the game over and over again and get different endings to it and different reactions. So, where does this where does this song fit in the context of that? So, in Fallout Four, uh, every Fallout game takes place in a particular part of the continental U.S. Um, Fallout Three took place around Washington D.C. Uh, New Vegas took place outside of like in California, Nevada. Personal uh, th- fave that one. This New one, Vegas. I Ooh. I also love that one. This one takes place in uh, the Greater Boston area. Um, so you have each game typically, uh, once it decides on the setting, sort of creates its like fallout post-apocalyptic flavor based on the town that it's in. Uh. Um, so in this one, you have references like in the song, you have references to the Fens, you'll have references to, which is Fenway Park, I believe is the reference, which is turned into like a little city, like it's the largest settlement in the area. Um, and, uh, in Fallout 4, you eventually come upon this place called Good Neighbor, which is a sort of, like, neutral town where, like, people go and they're not associated with any sort of faction. And uh, it's run by uh, it's run by this uh, guy who, like, has a bunch of rules and try, tries to keep everyone on the straight and normal. Oh, and, well, he's <laughs> a total badass, though. Yeah. Because this is a, it's a place for, like, uh, people who aren't who are good and bad, man. It's like... It's like a Wild West sort of town like that, like Tombstone kind of thing. And there's a bar uh, in Good Neighbor, and the bar has a lounge singer by the name of Magnolia. Magnolia is a character that you can talk to in romance, and she has information for you about uh, what's going on around town. Uh, and she is portrayed by the actress Linda Carter, 
who you may remember as Wonder Woman. Obviously, everyone will think of Linda Carter and think of Wonder Woman first, as well they should. Every single person, whether they know anything about Wonder Woman or not, will think about Wonder Woman when you hear Linda Carter. Don't put... Don't put... The rest of the world's ignorance on me, Nick. That's not my fault. It's not my responsibility. I mean, and I gotta say, guys, like, I just looked her up. Linda Carter. Absolute smoke show to this to this day. I mean, she's I mean, she's right up there with Cher, man. I mean, just like these older ladies that just they they still got it. They still got it. Mike, Mike, do you want to work through some stuff on the podcast right now? I'm sorry, Nick. What you're saying? You're saying older women can't be sexy? Is that yeah, you're so ageist. You're so ageist. So what, what the hell is your problem? Huh? You, you, are you the kind of guy that's saying, "Oh, you're 30. I don't think you could be the lead in this movie anymore, lady." I'm sorry. We that's need- right. Back in my casting directing <laughs> days, that was me. That was me down to a T. So the song, the song we're listening to is called "Good Neighbor," and which is also the name of the town. Uh, Linda Carton. Carter portrays the character who sings at Magnolia, who performs in the bar in town called The Third Rail. Um, Carter wrote this song herself and produced and performed several other songs that her character sings while you're at this bar. You can also be heard on, like, the radio station that plays that you can listen to as well. Uh, Part of this is because uh, Linda Carter is uh, actually an accomplished singer-songwriter herself and has released several albums in the blues and jazz genres, and also because, and I didn't realize this until I did this research, she is the wife of ZeniMax Media's CEO, Robert Altman. And ZeniMax Media is the owner of Bethesda Games, who are the developers of the Fallout series. <gasps> Nepotism! <laughs> oh, my. If she wasn't so goddamn good, I would agree with you, but unfortunately, <laughs> so she is good, good at her job. So, uh, if you want, hold on, uh, Nick, just start back at the, uh, like, a couple seconds at the beginning. So we'll just hear a little bit of this again. He asked me, what's your flavor? I said, I need a favor. I'm a little short of caps, but I'm a good, good neighbor. So as a diegetic piece, as a piece of diegetic music, uh, this song it takes and is being sung by a character within the world. So it makes several references to the actual gameplay. So took a walk out in the fens. Had a talk with a man about some chems. Chems are a sort, are they're drugs basically that you can take in the game to like enhance your abilities. Uh, but you can also get addicted to them. So they're just drugs. Oh they're yeah, just drugs. you, you yeah. take these. You got the psycho, which makes you like you, you take way less damage and do way more and do way more damage, right? And then you get the or the medics. The medics makes you get like twenty five percent more like. But then eventually, if you take too many of them, you actually, there's an addiction mechanic that hurts you in the long run. Um, in case people are starting to think that we're saying that drugs are good, that's not what we're saying. Listen, drugs are, no, drugs are, drugs are fine. You just got to go see a doctor every time you get addicted and they make you feel better. That's, yeah, what I, that's how it works. <laughs> I think that's how the opioid crisis started in America. <laughs> Nick, you are a point of view char- character for this episode. So I'm uh, out, in the, out in the fence, had a talk with a man about some chems. He asked me, what's your flavor? What kind of drug you want? She said she needs a favor because she's short on caps. Caps are the, there's no, this is the source of currency in the Fallout games are bottle caps because they are a plentiful source of small pieces of metal. So people use them as currency, essentially. Um, don't get too excited about all this knowledge, Nick. I know you're, <laughs> you're being, you're very excited about what we're talking about. I Just imagine going to my landlord saying, so I don't have rent this month, but I have bottle caps. That's how you would pay if you lived in Fallout, Nick. Steve, did you play hardcore mode? No, I never played. What Mike is referring to is a mode that you can play where it's like a survival mode where you have to, like, you have to eat or drink or else you'll die, as opposed to it just being a thing you can do if you need health. Oh, things like that. It's so dope because you get radiation poisoning if you eat bad food or dirty water. But you need. But if you if you're not drinking the water, then your stats go down, and if you get too thirsty, yeah, you die. Nothing. Uh, nothing exemplifies. <laughs> nothing exemplifies how privileged you are when you have to play a game to simulate not having enough food. <laughs> Come on, man. Oh man, Mike, how does it feel now that Nick is the devil's advocate for this episode? <laughs> We're the ones that have to be aggrieved at his inability to comprehend the coolness of what we're talking about. Boy, I, it makes me almost want to apologize to you guys. It really does. <laughs> like, but not exactly. Like, no, Nick, I, I no, this game is great. <laughs> um, now, this song, if Nick, again, because it is an in-universe song, it might not be readily apparent yet, this entire song is an extended sexual euphemism. 
Um, oh, which is great. So <laughs> he asked me, what's your flavor? I said I need a favor. I'm a little short on caps, but I'm a good, good neighbor. We need more good neighbors out there, Steve. And Nick, if you'll play a little bit more, you'll you'll we'll we'll further get into the nitty gritty of that. Oh boy! Took a dive with the swans out in the commons with nothing on. The mutant stopped to savor all my bad behavior. It's all. Oh, you're a good, good neighbor. So the mutants are like Norman Batesing her, right? They're just like kind of staring at her, and so there's getting... a, there's a there, there's a class of citizen known as super mutants. These are people who have been irradiated to such a point that they became like these big monstrous ogre type people. Um, they're pretty dumb. Yeah, and but they're uh, super strong. She, she's saying, I'm right sure now, they're just misunderstood. Took a dive with the swans out in the commons. So the commons is the Boston Commons. Uh, with the swans, there is a there is a like dirty, gross pond in the middle of Boston Commons, and there is a big lump of trash. And if you hover over it with your like indicator, it says it's called Swan. And if you get close enough to see why is this lump of trash called Swan, it's because Swan is actually a ginormous, gross ash trash monster who will. Fuck your shit up if you are not suitably prepared. She's saying that she's taking a dive in some gross trash water with this giant monster. And all these super mutants are watching her do it while she's skinny dipping. That's some nice that's some nice juxtaposition because took a dive with the swans is a very classy and elegant way to frame lyrics. And you're saying she's just like swimming around in shit water. With a giant monster, yes. Yes. Nick, when I ran into this monster, I was shooting him with rocket launchers and grenades and all sorts of shit. And dude, he killed me so many times. He was crazy. Yeah, you, you definitely need a nuke. You need some nukes if you want to fight him. Oh, yeah. I'll keep that in mind for my Fallout 4 see, playthrough. See, Nick, and Check Fallout, it out on Twitch. In Fallout, <laughs> the, most powerful, the most powerful weapon you can get is actually is a giant is oh. a giant slingshot that fires like like uh, uh, the um, Enola Gay-type nuclear bombs, you know, the ones that, when you think of, like, an old-fashioned nuclear bomb, that's what they, that's what they sling at. A people. slingshot that flings nuclear warheads? Yes. Yeah. That's the kind of game we're talking about. Ah. Uh. We can shake it up a little. We can kick it up a notch. We can put it on the grid. Better get it while it's hot. I'll meet you in the middle. You can show me what you got. If you're feeling lucky tonight. So that is the that is the chorus, and it is every lyric is a sexual euphemism. We can shake it up a little, we can kick it up a notch, we can put it on the griddle. Better get it while it's hot. I'll meet you in the middle. You you can show me what you got if you're feeling lucky tonight. So let me guess, that reference is like a giant mountain monster made entirely out of used condoms that you have to fight with like napalm and nuclear warheads. That's what that all means, right? No, Nick. Not every part of the song has to be about stuff that happens in the universe. Some of them can just be perfectly I'm just piecing together using previous context you provided. It's just a nice sexual stanza, Nick. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) But... uh. So ah. she's a vamp. She's like a femme fatale, sexual, like, this is how she gets by in this horrible crap sack world. Fallout um, foreplay. Ex- yes. Thank you. Very exactly. nice. Exactly. I'd do one for Fallout 3. I gotta say, this is my dream woman right Fallout 3 way. Now ah. I was gonna say it. Damn it. But regardless, uh, I see that the lyrics do continue. This, uh, this is the last sort of original bit, so yeah. we can end on this next one. That's my thing. I flash my stuff. Show my rings and do the boys a favor with all my manual labor. It's good to be a good, good neighbor. Now, what could that possibly mean? That seemed to be the most uh, euphemism free verse of all. Well, she she helped extend their patios, Nick. You gotta understand, that's a lot of manual labor. She does, she fixes patios. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's so nice of her. Um, And Diamond City, by the way, is the name of the city that has grown up in Fenway Park on a baseball diamond. Ah. Uh, 
Um, Must be a very small city. It is. Well, I mean, again, it's a post-nuclear wasteland. They're not exactly... Like, these aren't cities. These are large settlements made out of rusted shacks, essentially. It's a very depressing game. (laughs) Yo, yeah, I guess it is kind of sad. You just gotta... You gotta take the happy that comes. But... Oh, Nick, the storyline's so... F- Although the loopholes in the storyline kind of upset me, Steve. Like, I feel... Maybe I didn't... I, I beat the game, but there were still so many questions I had about shit, you know? That's why you play it three more times, doing something slightly different each time. It's only, what, 45 hours per playthrough? Exactly. <laughs> well, that's how they can... That's how they can stomach charging people $60 for these, Nick, is to make so that you... Make it sure that you get your money's worth out Make of it them. sure that you never spend any time with personal projects, friends, family, or good neighbors. And... <laughs> And that's why, and I'll tell you what, that's why they fucked up with the, Bethesda has got to get out of the online gaming, dude. Forget it. You make a great solo game, just, just fucking focus. Like, this Fallout 76 bullshit and the Elder Scrolls Online, it's just, oh my god. If they had focused on just making like a nice Fallout 5 in New York City, it'd been perfect. Fallout 5 Burrows. Oh my god, Nick, see, Nick! There it is. Yes! See, Nick, does, Nick doesn't even know what the hell he's talking about. He's throwing out good ideas. Uh, Nick, what Mike is referring to is um, instead of releasing a new Fallout game after the fourth one, Bethesda Studios created Fallout 76. Oh, I'm aware a... of the perception oh, of Fallout okay. 76. I don't I okay, even good. played it, and I, I heard all the, the literal Fallout from that game. <laughs> um, but So that's uh, that's it for new lyrics. It, she kind of repeats it a bit for the rest of the song. But um, So that's an example of a actual like she wrote five or six songs in universe for a character that she portrayed to play um so for our final one we are going to discuss um now this is a unlike the other two this is actually a game series i don't play um yeah i never played it either these uh these this game series is uh these is a song from the metal gear solid game series and part of the reason i don't play them is because for the most part, they are stealth-based action games, and I suck at stealth games. <sighs> they are not fun for me to play because I am not good at them. Part of it is because of the sensitivity of controls. Like if you if you like move the joystick even slightly, you are now discovered, and all of your hard work of an hour is fucked over, and it's not even your fault, really. So I never really cared. Steve, for them. what game hurt you? They all hurt me. <laughs> That's why I keep coming back to them. Steve, um, were you uh, you you uh, wielding melee melee weapons in uh, most of these like RPG games? You just running in, had it on strong. I I do tend to like to that that playthrough style first. I like to feel oh, like nothing fun. can yeah. kill me to begin with, and then I run in with like swords and shit. Uh, so that's why that's kind of why Metal Gear isn't my jam. Uh, but let's hear a little bit of it first before I go into. It. And silence through the night What a thrill I'm searching and I'll melt into you What a fear in my heart But you're so You gotta so explain something. They of wrote this. a James Bond song, is what you're saying. <laughs> yes. It does feel like a James Bond song. Nick, Nick jumped ahead of the story, but yes, Oh, I didn't even is, know, but that is what happened. So um a little background. Uh the Metal Gear Solid games are uh uh created by uh Hideo Kojima. Uh they're very popular. Again, I never got into them, but they are very popular. But the kids enough love to them. spawn like the kids love them. Uh, enough to spawn like five or six sequels. Um it's a series of stealth action games. And are known for their innovative game storytelling, humor, and cinematic sweep. Um, the composer for most of the music of these games is a composer by the name of Norihiko Hibino, uh, who also uh, wrote the music for this song, which we're discussing, called Steak Eater. Uh, now, as Nick pointed out, this sounds like a James Bond song. It's not subtle. <laughs> And that's because it was supposed to sound like a James Bond song. Now, the first, this is actually from the third Metal Gear Solid game. The previous two took place in sort of like a near future thing. 
and many of the games focused on the main character named Solid Snake uh, attempting to prevent various factions from creating what are known as Metal Gears, which are these massive bipedal tanks capable of launching nuclear weapons. Um, and another with recurring, a slingshot, kind of. It's like a. Ra- it's actually a railgun. They use a railgun. Ah. they're like uh, like arm-mounted railguns, but they're giant robot tanks essentially. Um, this game took a different tech. This is actually a prequel and takes place in the 1960s during the middle of the Cold War. Um, and it instead of focusing on Solid Snake, it focuses on a character called Naked Snake, who is actually the. Uh, in this prequel, you discover he was the original identity of the main antagonist for the first two games you played. So this is kind of like exploring how he came to be. Steve, I don't know if you can uh, answer this. I don't know if you're in a position to answer this, but why didn't they just call him Snaked? Because that didn't fit the naming conventions of having blank snake. Okay. Because there's there, there's like five other characters named blank snake. Liquid snake. snake. Yes. Gas, Solid gaseous snake. snake. Plasma snake. Plasma snake, yes. Very clever, Nick. Sexy Very snake. Clever. Um, <laughs> the ultimate state of matter. Sexy. The, so the game the game series <laughs> the game series as a whole has a recurring element has various recurring elements. Uh one of which is the protagonist having to stop a series of bizarre and or superpowered mercenaries. Bad, bizarre, um, or otherwise superpowered mercenaries. Exactly. <laughs> On their way to stopping like a big, like world-destroying uh, weapon, you know, of mass destruction. And as you may have discovered, or you may or may not have figured that out by now, is the plot of literally every single James Bond movie ever. Set in the, for the most part, a lot of them set in the Cold War, James Bond has to fight a series of weird people that shouldn't exist, who can't seemingly got, who can't seemingly die very easily, and at the end has to stop the uh, you know world-ending weapon. Um, so since they were setting it in the Cold War, the composer uh, Norihiko Hibino thought to themselves, "Well, it's set in the Cold War. I'm just going to make it, and it's already kind of James Bond-esque to begin with. I'm just going to fucking write a James Bond theme." And Why sure not? as hell enough, that's what they fucking did. <laughs> And that guy, they made a, it's a, it sounds good. Like, yeah, I'm anxious to hear more. The Japanese are very good at taking something from America and getting into the heart of what makes it like, like it's very essence. They're very good at picking out what the essence of a thing is. They dig through, they find the nugget of the interesting thing, and then they just blow it up 8,000 times. Exactly. Although I will say it does get a little confusing. Like, but you're so supreme. Like, okay. Wait, okay. Well, here, I'll get into that. Nick, start start at the beginning again. Mike, nobody's ever just screamed at you, you're so supreme. No, what do I look like, a pizza? <laughs> <laughs> Only in that you're delicious. And you a little, and a little greasy Nick. sometimes. Uh, a little greasy? <laughs> All right, here's a little more. So, Mike pointed out before, it kind of feels like, so far lyrically, the song might feel a little bit like like error in translation, maybe. Like, the, it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense, the lyrics. Like, they seem to be not referencing anything. But actually, this entire song, when you look into it, and Genius Lyrics will help us here, uh, actually, very, uh, in a like, a, like, not literal, but metaphorical sense, describes the events of the, of the, of the game. Ah. Um, so, like, what a thrill with a darkness and silence through the night. Um, your, your character, Naked Snake, enters the game, essentially, from the air at 11.30 p.m., and you spend the whole game trying not to draw attention to yourself. So you are jumping out of a plane and then spending the rest of the game, like, at night, trying not to get caught. So with a thrill, with what a thrill with darkness and silence through the night. Um, I feel like you could relate to that, Mike. Did You, I, you seem like... I think you even said some instances where at night you've been trying to not get caught doing something. Oh my God, Nick! Why? 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 <laughs> yeah, Nick. No, there's been a few instances, man. I don't know if I legally can even talk about some Mike, of them. I... <laughs> let, let's just do one that I think we brought up before. When you leapt through a third-story window oh, at SUNY talk- Albany, was that at 11:30 at night? Much like Naked Snake, were you descending from on high into bushes and trying not to be caught? 
No, I mean, what I, did a thrill like, that was. I did feel like James Bond, I suppose. But that was it 11.30? It might have been 11.30. I, I was not graceful, though. The second floor saw me fly right by. They called <laughs> the police. Jesus Christ. No, they just huge saw mess. a six-foot-four frame just fall from the sky. Nick, you oh, you make me bigger every episode. I love it. I, but they <laughs> saw a seven foot two man plummet from the second story, and, and then they called the police and said, "There's an eight foot man running around campus." Ah, uh, um, but yeah, uh, you're so supreme. Like Mike, Mike is so supreme. He is. Um, oh, that go, uh, that references the fact that at, at the end of the game, the the main antagonist was your boss, essentially, who taught you everything you knew and made you like the greatest soldier alive. Um, so like at the end of the game, that title kind of passes from the boss to naked snake. So that's where you're so supreme. Like she admits at the end that he is the supreme soldier. Um, so it's not just like random, like, oh, this is not, this is like the original Japanese is not making sense in English. This is actually totally on purpose. Um, I feel so foolish to doubt these people. I know the chorus, I give my life not for honor, but for you is referencing the general, Kojima, when he makes these games, he bases them on a theme. Like uh, the first game, I think was there. There was based on a single word theme, uh, and then the second one was, and the third one was as well. And in this one, the theme is essentially like giving your all for a country that ultimately betrays you. Um, yeah, so that's kind of the that's the overarching theme of this whole game. Um, so, like, that's the complicated relationship between Naked Snake and the and I give my life not for honor but for you, and this is how you repay me. And Naked Snake gets betrayed in the end, uh, and then he has to go after the people that he once trusted to be in charge of him, essentially. Uh, so, yeah, if you will keep playing. Oh, I'm I'm getting the feel. I'm getting the shivers right now. I'm, so, I, I'm burning alive in this blanket fort, and I'm getting shivers. That that I mean. So so you might you might be asking why Snake Eater? Because um, so he's hungry. Game, well, yeah, actually. So the game uh, has a mechanic. It has a stamina mechanic. Uh, so you need to replenish it to be effective. So if you like go hungry, your like sniper shots don't aren't you can't like steady it and things like oh, that. Oh, I know what that's like. But be- yeah, but because you're out in the woods, it's not like there's like health packs and stuff you can pick up. The game actually makes you eat things you find in the woods. So you do catch and eat snakes to replenish your stamina meter as part of the game. Or Yo, tree frogs. You can what? catch tree frogs and eat them too. This game is way more in-depth than I thought it was. I didn't yeah, realize this game were- came out like... This wasn't a recent game. This came so out like many, many years ago. 2005 yeah. maybe? I... I just figured it was like a first, like like one of those sneak around, kill people games, kind of like like Goldeneye, because it was like James Bondish. It's of. it the the these are as much as I don't care for them. These games are very innovative in their play style. Like there's uh, a lot of people like these games because the the way that they design the boss fights, they're not your typical like run around and shoot someone until their health bar depletes. You actually have to employ some sort of strategies. Like they're in this game, Snake Eater. There is one boss called the End, who's like the greatest sniper alive, and he's he's been uh, enhanced. So he's like he, he's over a hundred years old. He was like born in the 1860s, and this is like his last fight. His last fight is against Naked Snake, and the boss fight takes place in a wide open, or not wide open, but in like a there's no like walls or anything like that. You're in the middle of a forest. He's like completely camouflaged, and he has a sniper rifle. And you have to basically like out snipe him, like run around, find cover, find where his shot came from, locate him, shoot in his direction, and rinse and repeat. And it's very like super intense and very, it's like the second to last boss fight in the game. And actually, you have the ability to avoid the fight altogether yes. by killing the character earlier in the game. He's called the end. Uh, you can call, you can kill the end when you meet him at the beginning of the game and not have to do this boss fight. Or, you can wait a week because the game has an in-game time mechanic. You can wait a week, and he'll just die of old age. What? he's 100 years old. You just avoid the fight 
in game for a week, and then you'll find his corpse eventually because he's just dead because he's old. Oh my! Yo, so you must get like a special achievement for doing the fight, right? I, I don't mean. think this game. I don't know because I didn't play them. I don't know if this game was out when achievements were a thing or not, but. That's um, wild. Yeah, I love like, I love that. There's essentially almost like it's not a cutscene per se, but the character's just kind of talking with other characters, and if you're quick and you snipe him, then he's just actually dead, and then you don't fight him yeah, later. Exactly. And there's a lot of people. I won't go into this because it's not the subject, but like uh, Metal Gear Solid Two was famous for having a lot of boss fights like that. So it's a very innovative game series, and part of the innovation is this is like one of the first games that come out that had their own original song, and it's a very cool song. And it perfectly fits with what they're trying to go for, like the time period and lyrically as well. Someday you go through the rain And someday you'll feed on a tree frog It's so dear the trial to survive For the day we see new Okay, okay. They fucked up, man. That bridge was terrible. <laughs> like, I mean, Some, listen, Mike. Sometimes you feed on a tree frog. No, man. he's a but, snake eater. You have to clarify the things he eats that aren't snakes. This By the whole, way, like, uh, I I didn't mention this up front. The vocalist for this is a is a uh, uh, a musician by the name of Cynthia Harrell. I didn't. I just want to make that up front so she doesn't get forgotten. So she gets all the royalties that she deserves. I think she's great. I'm just saying, like. But you kick things off with this verse, and you really get sucked into this Bond-like theme. You're like, all oh, right, man. And then it's like, I'm giving my life, not for honor, but for you. And feeling like – and I know it's either, oh, is it really love for, like, the Naked Snake or love for America? But, like, whatever. But, like – but then, I mean, this completely breaks away from what I was feeling. Now it's like – now we're talking about feeding on tree frogs, and I get that's part of the game, but, like – more songs we don't need, to, we don't need, need to, to talk about that. We don't we don't need to talk this shit. Let's... More songs need to include tree frogs in their lyrics. I agree. I don't. <laughs> I, I I get what you're saying. It's it's um they they went too far with the making it part of the game. Like they went they were they were like they were like cruising on a nice little like fence here where they you know, like it was, it was referencing elements of the game, but it was doing it in a, in a like a cool way. And then all of a sudden, they just straight up go, "And now you're going to eat things you find in the game, <laughs> snake eater." It just, I mean, it just. I'm a little. I, I'm not gonna lie. I'm a little, I'm a little disappointed that just happened. Like, ah. Uh. They had me all built up, and then they try to be funny, and it's like you know what? You yep. can't do both. It's like when you try to crack a joke during sex. Like you, it better be fucking like funny. <laughs> like bust, a, bust a nut, not a joke. This is a public safety announcement from Nick Brigadier in the Song Topsy Report. <laughs> Remember, kids, bust a nut, not a joke. And then the middle school's like, "Who's the actual public speaker we hired?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, someone who of import who has things to say. I don't know who this guy is. Security. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's only a little bit left, and it's the chorus again. But I do want to complete this one because it's fucking epic. So. So yeah, that's um, that's uh, the, the red, there's like another like thirty seconds, but it's literally just her getting higher and higher and more powerful with saying "snake eater," um, which I'm cool to listen to because I love it. But whatever. Um, so the the last bit of information I have about this song is when I say like these games are innovative, I don't necessarily mean always in a positive way. So I mentioned before there's the second to last boss fight with the character, the end, the old man sniper. After, let's say you didn't kill him, uh, like, at the beginning of the game, and you didn't wait for him to die, and you actually fought him, it's a super intense, like, like bare-knuckle, 
sort of like chess game. And it goes on for minutes and minutes and minutes and minutes, and you finally finish it. The next part of the game is you're actually, after you do that, because he's guarding the location that gets you to like the end point of the game. So once you kill him, you get to this tunnel. And when you get to the end of this tunnel that's supposed to take you up a mountain to the end boss fight, you come across a ladder. The ladder is the longest ladder climb in any video game ever made. Like <laughs> it is it is 3 minutes of climbing. Shut up. You because again, you're like it makes sense in the context because it's you're in a mountain and you're climbing a mountain like this tunnel in a mountain and it's a ladder. The it's meant as like a way for you to basically come come down off of the fight with the end. Like if it, it presupposes you've you're like super jittery because you've had this adrenaline fueled like fight and it it's trying to make you calm for the end of the game essentially. <laughs> um, but while you climb generous. the ladder, while you, you're climbing the ladder, there's no background music. So for like a good minute of climbing, it's just clump 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 clump, just like climbing sound effects. <laughs> After about a minute of climbing, Snake Eater starts pumping in. But it's an acapella, low-key version of Snake Eater. No music, uh, Snake Eater. No music. Just the just the singer, um, uh, uh, Cynthia Harrell, singing very slowly and softly. Snake Eater, like just the whole song. So you climb for the entirety of the song, and that's all. That's all you're playing for three minutes of this game. It's like you. And if you go online and find people talking about it, fifty-fifty. Half of the people oh. are furious at having to do this. And the other 50 are like, Kojima's a genius. This is fantastic. Oh, my God. I've never experienced anything like this in a video game before. I don't know what side you guys would come down on, but that's that's generally 50-50. You know, at first, Steve, when you said three minutes, I was like, fuck you. Like, fuck them. Like, I don't want to do that. But now, but now that you're at it, like, the idea behind it, like, it happens after a huge battle. And then you start climbing. You know, it's still building some tension towards the end of the game. And then you hear this, you hear the song come in. Oh yeah, that's worth it, man. Like yeah, when you replay through the game, you're like, shit, I gotta do that three minutes again. But like the first time you <laughs> first play through, I mean, that's gotta be just. I mean, I'm all about the story. I'm all about the feelings, man. I like getting as encapsulated as possible. So I think I, that'd be right up my alley. I'm I'm into it. Um, I would have to play all three of these games to form any opinions on any of the things you asked me on. But here's the thing, Nick. This is a prequel. So if you do it chronologically speaking, you could play this one first. No, I meant between Fallout 4, oh, Metal yeah. Gear Solid 3, and Portal. Okay. Well, you know, Nick, just because you don't have a point of reference doesn't mean you can't get fucking excited. <laughs> wow. But that's my episode on video games and the songs that occur within them. Yay! Steve, this was a great episode, man. I think you picked out some real good songs here. Really, I know it's weird. We've been doing a lot of... The last music we've heard now um, for these past three songs, It's it's been, it's been weird to be hearing kind of good music for the most part. Because all these songs, I would say, are uh, b- bizarre to noteworthy, but they're all, they're all, like I said, straight up bangers. Straight up and bang. you know what? The more you say it, the better it sounds. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Ain't that the truth? It's just repetition. It's the Gucci Gang rule. Uh, but no, you make, fe- you make me feel like I'm still in a dream, Snake Eater. Oh, go eat a tree frog. Uh, but Steve, great choice. And to our listeners, thank you so much for joining us and hearing us uh, go through these bops and bangers. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook if you have not done so already. Check out our social media pages. We got some fun stuff there. And uh, you can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Nick Brigadier and Mr. Mike Russell. Yeah, you can find my stuff on my Instagram at MrMikeRussell.com. That's MrMR.D-O-T. And uh, yeah, like Nick said, you know, check out our stuff. Leave a review, five stars preferably. Like, send us your song suggestions. I feel, oh man, we might be due for a uh, listener submitted soon, man. We might be. It's been a minute. Oh. Maybe we should find because I, I know we've been doing a lot of like threefers, so maybe we should find like a really, 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 really bad one yes. that a customer just really gave us. Dig into one, yeah, that's just a good like, like balls to the wall, terrible. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
And also, uh, yo, you know what? Let's keep this video game theme going for uh, for the for the weekly question here. Why don't, why don't you why don't you tell us what your favorite uh, song to listen to when gaming or favorite video game song is? Like, is it something off of the Fallout radio? Is it a Metal Gear Solid classic? Uh, is it the Super Mario rap? Let us know. Or that song from Sonic that Nick sent me. <laughs> From Sonic Racing specifically, uh, Steve. How's okay. that one? How's that one go there, Nick? Oh, I'll I'll, I'll share it with you later, Mike. It's it's, it's another it's another it, that that one is a bop, not a banger. Uh, and Steve, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at your man Trollo. You can find me on the Daver Devil Productions website um, and on my personal website, stephentrollinger.com. and in my house playing these games. That all sounds rad, guys. Thank you so much for joining us this week. I am Nick Brigadier. I'm Mike Russell. And I'm... Still in a dream Steve, wake up! Steve, Steve, we have to record an episode. What? Huh? What? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm gonna go eat a frog.